0: The Crude Life with host Jason Speece.
1: To be the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. This week on the Crude Life Week in Review, we take some of the best interviews of the week, and we've got Terry Edom, the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. He's also a writer for the BOE Report and his own blog, Public Energy Number One The Man, the Myth, the Legend, the Author, the Writer, and the Blogger. Joins us here in just a moment to talk about abandoned wells in America and in Canada. Of course, Terry Edom lives in Calgary, gives us our international perspective at the abandoned wells, which in Canada, they take a totally different approach than we do here in the United States. So we're going to do a little juxtaposition junction. That's right. We're using a word like juxtaposition today because we're going to go back and forth and compare, contrast, and just flesh out. Flush out. Flesh out for some, flush out for others. It works the same. We're going to explore abandoned wells in just a moment, right here on the Crude Life Week in Review. Craig Ray, Keystone Oil Fabrication and Keystone Synergies, joins us to talk about the history of diversification in industry. From sand kings to cranes to silos, Ray discusses his past pitfalls and successes In the volatile oil and gas market, the other thing we talk about is identifying opportunity and going out and seizing that opportunity as well. Craig Ray with Keystone Synergy coming up in just a moment or two as well. And to end the program, Barb Kirkmeyer out of Weld, Colorado, Weld County, Colorado, excuse me. She says the oil issues started before COVID and describes the current energy scene in Colorado, how it's impacting other areas and regulations gone wild. All that plus much more on today's episode of the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Speece. I'd like to get right to the first interview. Mr. Terry Edom, the man, the myth, the legend, the author, the writer, and the blogger. Terry Edom.
0: I am born and raised in Canada. I'm from a farming community that's so small no one would know where it is it's uh kind of straight north of north dakota a couple hundred miles kind of on the edge of the tree line so north of our farm was nothing but forest so we battled bears and you name it coming out of the woods to raid our farm
1: sure and, and then yeah. and, 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 and now you're in oil country you've been living in oil country for a while you work for a natural gas company as well as the the um, media credentials but uh how long you been uh, out in the is it Calgary? Is that right?
0: It, it, yeah, I mean Calgary. That's where the, the, this is the heart of the the uh, petroleum sector in Canada. And when I graduated out of university, the the, the only jobs that were available were here. So a, a lot of Canada comes here. A lot of a lot of uh, Americans too. We have a lot of people from Houston and around the all over the place that come here. It's, it's a bit like Houston, I guess. In that way, it's a real magnet for for people. That's one thing I liked about it is they just they, they just uh, the industry's interested in dynamic people that are good at what they do and they don't really care where they come from or what they look like. You're welcome if you can get the job done. So,
1: Let's get right to the topic at hand with Mr. Terry Edom, author, writer, and blogger. And one of the things where we do here at The Crude Life is we like to obviously go through a variety of topics, but some of them we, we talk about quite a bit. Uh, climate change obviously has been a big one, which I call earth changes. Either way. Climate change is what seems to be the nomenclature. We also talk about a lot of small business because the small business sector, from the truckers to the cafe owners to the frack sand operators, boy, small business really makes up a lot of oil and gas. Of course, Terry Edom, Mr. Socialist Government up there in Canada, and uh be down here with the Managed Marketplace. What little free market we're hanging on to left here in in the oil and gas industry. But the other one is the uh, reclamation side of things that we've been covering now for 10 years here on The Crude Life. And of course, Terry Edom's uh, perspective is very well invited and needed here because of the Canadian upbringing to where his his view is uh, what What's the what's What did he say once? It's the crowns. It's the Queen's land or something. Anyway, the Queen yeah. owns the land. Yeah, you yeah. guys are just happen to be on it, so it's got to be taken care of and yada yada. So anyway, uh, let's yeah, talk right. abandoned yeah. wells a little bit. Um, let's talk about how how this came to light and uh, the Canadian and American perspectives. So uh, let's get into abandoned wells here. Sure. Well,
0: well, in Canada. Here, it's been. It's come to light a long time ago, but it's a bigger issue. It's kind of funny that you mentioned the the socialist overtones up here versus yours. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, so we've been dealing with it for a long time, and it's funny that uh, I first mentioned it on the crude, or first noticed it on the uh, as a U.S. phenomenon. Also on the crude life, on an email you sent out, Jason, where you kind of uh, brought the issue to light some of the issues, and now I see uh, today there's a big article in Reuters about the very topic. So I think they watch you, Jason, and they get their leads. Wouldn't surprise me. And the...
1: Oh, they're the the one. Good. I'm glad I got somebody. Good.
0: Huh. (laughs) Well, it's a big one. Yeah. Um, The the order of magnitude is huge. It's 3 million wells or more than that in the U.S. And Canada has a proportionally much smaller amount. It's kind of funny that you mentioned the socialist uh, nature of the governments because this is kind of an issue that crosses over the border where it's hard to say whether this is a free market thing or a, um, a problem or, a, or society's problem so the the, the, issue, the background for a lot of people who might not know is that wells have a useful life and when they're done uh quite often they'll sit there sometimes companies can go back in them and reuse them again the little company i work for we, we've made a living out of this we went back to a field that was on the verge of being abandoned and we just went to different zones and we've rejuvenated the field but a, and a lot of wells that doesn't happen to, and then they just get abandoned. And some of them are leaking, and they can be old messes and whatnot. And they can be very expensive to fix properly, especially if there's leaks. So, um, so it, it's it's a huge issue. And and the, the it, what makes it so interesting is that a lot of these wells have changed hands many times, and the original owners who drilled them are long gone, and the people who produced them might be long gone, and they might have been bought and sold a half a dozen times since. So so who do you hang the liability on when when that all of those people are long gone is it the present owner which and you can make a good argument that they they bought it and they should be liable for it To
1: listen to the full length interview with Terry Edom or to check out other Crude Life exclusive interviews visit the crudelife.com that's the crudelife.com Once again that was Terry Edom with the end of the fossil fuel insanity of course his books are available at Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. Coming up next, Craig Ray with Keystone Synergies talks about diversification in industry and how you need to identify those opportunities and then go seize them. My name is Jason Spees. This is the Crude Life. We can review.
2: The Crude Life is sponsored in part by
0: Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over forty years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale
1: basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID-19 Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe down, electro spraying, commercial, industrial, medical, lodging decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970 539 8066. That's 970 539 8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products decontamination services titan solutions that's 970-539-8066 970-539-8066 jason Speece, the most trusted voice in the bakken
3: i totally agree with you and the word that you brought into this is fact you tell the facts
2: Welcome back
1: to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Speece. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Craig Ray with Keystone Synergies and Keystone Oil Fabrication. I'm
2: Craig Ray with Keystone Oilfield Fabrication.
1: Keystone Oil Fabrication. Let's talk a little bit about what your services are so we can get into the meat of the interview. So what, what do you guys do down there?
2: Jason, We we do a lot of things now. We started out in huh. 2011. January 2011, and uh, strictly building Sand Kings, Sand Kings, Sand Hulks, Sand Chiefs, Mountain Movers, multiple names for them. But uh, we went from we put a little business plan together in 2011 to build our first one in April and build a total of 40 for the year. And as you know or likely know, Sand Kings, key component of the the frack fleet on site. And our business plan was to build 40. Uh, that was in January before we built our first one. We increased that business plan to 60 and by the end of the year we'd built 83. So basically we went from zero revenue to 22 million in year one with no debt and put 83 units in the field. So that was our bread and butter. I mean, we were a one house operator uh, and we realized that we needed to diversify over time uh, and sooner would be better. So. Uh, in 2012, we added a structural steel component for our for our business, and uh, since 2012, we've continued to add components of our business uh, all the way even even to now, and perhaps even more so. Right now, we're having to diversify more so today than we ever have had previously, just due to the nature of the market. But I can tell you today, we do we don't build any sand kings. Again, you probably likely know that that's very antiquated piece of equipment uh, you can't give them away i've got six out here in my yard i'm looking out my window looking at them right now can't give them away for for a thousand bucks a piece or or in that vicinity and they're still good pieces of equipment that still run but sand silos have become the rage or sandbox uh their concept uh took off and
1: uh how quickly did 20. that change if I may ask sorry to interrupt I'm just I'm you know it's so interesting how things can become a dinosaur or a TV repairman or you know a VHS if you will uh, how quickly did the sand king I mean it was it was your big bre- bread and butter how quickly did that go away
2: I mean it it felt like it was a year that in transition quick. When OSHA came out and said that they wanted to uh, decrease acceptable levels of respirable dust silica dust that put the onus on the industry to make changes because of sand king that's you, know, you got pneumatic trailers that are blowing into a sand king creates a bunch of dust in the marketplace or on the uh, frac side which is bad to breathe uh, i think everybody would agree with that everybody knows that so the thought was the industry had to build something different we built silos we went to a silo concept the problem with our concept is that we utilize cranes. We had a steel erection background or st- st- structural steel background. We understand cranes. We use cranes on a regular basis. We thought that was the safest way to erect silos on a frac site location. But uh, we had some competitors that figured a-, a better way to do that where they didn't have to have cranes, and the industry was reluctant to, cr- to use a crane. So uh, our concept was not the winner overall but it did seem within a 12 month period man technology changed and the concept changed and uh, silos caught on and then shortly i guess a couple years after that when the box concept really got got uh, got to moving i mean there were a lot of folks building boxes uh, or box concepts. But, I
1: guess uh, I'm not familiar with uh, the advantage of a box over a silo. Uh, can, 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 do you have like a layman's version of the difference between the two and why one would be more, I guess, advantageous than the other?
2: Personally, I don't prefer a box. If I was a frack side, uh operator or uh, user of the, the concept, I don't like the box concept. I think the boxes jam up. I think you got too much heavy equipment on site, moving backwards and forwards where manpower gets crushed or could get crushed. More uh, there's more issues. You got to have a bigger footprint uh, for the box concept. Silos, I like them, even though we're not making them. Uh, they're they're mechanically very friendly. It's a gravity feed. Uh, the dust collection or the dust collector concept has been mastered sufficiently to where it meets OSHA requirements uh, and they take a smaller footprint on location so uh, I'm not a fan of the box concept I'm still a silo guy myself but I'm not having to make that call and we're not manufacturing either
1: so take that for what it's worth Okay. Yeah, I'm curious about that, just how some of those transitional things work. Uh, Because, I mean, you're talking about micro niches within industry at this point. Yes, Um, exactly. You know, and and I get it sometimes as preference, but sometimes, you know, sometimes the industry, and I've been told this by quite a few CEOs at conferences, and a lot of them have said it even on record if people want to go back into the old database and listen to some of the old interviews, but they always warned of the uh, energy industry's herd mentality. You know how it seems like they they just as a herd they go towards things and he said sometimes, you know you, you don't always hit a hundred percent you don't always bat a thousand so you got to be careful about sometimes having herd mentality towards things just because it's cool or it's popular etc and that's what your your example kind of reminded me of that so I I was curious if there was just some reason behind it but um, anyway so I don't know if you want to comment on herd mentality or not but.
2: Well, I, I agree completely with the herd mentality. And, and you see that within our industry quite a bit. And I would not disagree one iota that uh, profit, delivery, conveyance, and storage systems are or have proven to be very much uh, operating by a herd mentality. So it's it's prevalent.
1: Let's talk a little bit about shut ins, if you don't mind. Um, that, of course, is a huge topic right now that's going, whether it's Getting uh cares, corona money, or whether it's impacting people on a level that they've never seen before, and whether it's really starting to show a lot of politicians that boy, the oil and gas industry goes well beyond the term mining. You know, we got a lot of truckers that are basically oil and gas people, and without a oil and gas uh, uh, well to operate that affects that specific trucker, trucking company, for example, you know, frac sand companies, if you will. Um, yeah. how, how are you guys being affected by the shut-ins? Have you guys uh, felt that pinch, that impact at all?
2: Well, it, it, it's unprecedented, Jason. That goes without saying that the, the market has had a, such a detrimental effect. I mean, the oil patch was already slowing down. Then you layered on COVID-19. You've got an election year that comes into play. Uh, all those things amount to a perfect storm for our industry, uh, for our oil field industry. And, I mean, that's got some of the best people I know have been furloughed or laid off or put out of business. Guys that I thought would never go away. Men that I'd want to have in my foxhole any time I'd go to battle. We've had to lay off. We're a smaller company with a we got up to about 145 folks or so. We've laid off uh, 22. And every one of those men were good, good men. And the shut-ins, uh, it's having a, a ripple effect. And politicians don't understand that. Uh, most people, the average citizen doesn't understand that. But I saw something online uh, the other day that uh, showed the impact or showed the everything that oil products or, or oil and gas type products have an influence in and you can't hardly you can't hardly go through the supermarket you can't go through the grocery or the uh, Home Depot you can't go through a a shop or down the road without uh, impact from the oil and gas industry it's that critical to to how we live and what we do 2018 was a great year and that was predominantly oil filled year for us I mean uh, our parent company is Keystone Synergy Keystone Oilfield Fabrication is one of the LLCs that basically uh, is captured by Keystone Synergy, but we have our Keystone Steel uh, Steel Services, Keystone Trucking Equipment, Keystone Mobile or uh, Crane Services. It's got a variety of entities that hang off the Keystone Synergy brand. But looking back to 18, that was a great year for the oil patch for us, and then in 19 we had our best year ever, at least on the top line. And within that year, we started, we had three new initiatives. One uh, didn't go so well, and we've closed that down already. One is kind of on the fence line right now, Keystone Truck and Equipment.
1: Mr. Craig Ray, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Craig Ray with Keystone Oil Fabrication and Keystone Synergies. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in
3: Review. Well, you can be mine. you can be Bugs Bunny, I'll be, yeah, I'll, be I'll follow you,
0: I think you know the way. If we were
2: the Food Life is sponsored in part by...
0: Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future
1: shale basin projects. Groundbreaking the Davis Refinery. Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria and fungi, including SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID-19. Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected, ULV fogging, wipe down, electro spraying, commercial industrial medical lodging decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's 970-539-8066. 970
3: 539
1: Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in
2: the Bakken.
3: I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts
1: Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Craig Ray with Keystone Oil Fabrication.
2: Uh, didn't go so well, and we've closed that down already. One is kind of on the fence line right now, Keystone Truck and Equipment. Uh, we've got a mobile maintenance group that's coming out of that, and they're uh, basically a break-even. And then our crane services has just skyrocketed. Crane services, that's got us into the construction market as well as the oil field market. That's got us into the utility uh, market transmission and delivery uh, units, anything that had a crane in it, small crane, uh, knuckle booms, those type of things. And now here in 2020, uh, it's actually a real struggle. Our revenue is not going to be anywhere near what they were in 2019. But we've still had, I like to call it being opportunistic. Uh, we've got big things and little things coming out. Uh, we've got a storm shelter concept that is uh, being approved or being tested uh right now. We'll, we'll actually sell that to the major home builders. Uh, it's just an outcropping of what we do with our uh, facility, our fabrication facility as it is. Uh, we've got a scoreboard concept that we're working with with uh, another one of our vendors and he brought that to us. And uh, I think that's going to be a big plus in the five-state area from where we're located here in Texas. Uh, we've got a container concept that uh, we're getting ready to kick off. That would be for government contracts or some a Fortune 100-type uh, folks. Uh, those are longer-term contracts, too, smaller margin. But uh, one of our sales guys got us in the in the door there, and it's metal. It's welding. It uh, it makes sense with what we do. Waste containers is a new concept for us that we'll uh, kick off here in the second half of the year. And then we actually have a small acquisition target that we're eyeballing. Uh, not too far away, not too far down the road from us. So uh, we've got plenty to do here in 2020. It's just been a lot tighter, a lot harder to do. Uh, and it, legitimately, it's been a struggle, and it's going to be a struggle for the rest of the year, I think. But
1: uh, It's interesting, I've, too, because, you know, this is kind of some real talk, and the part that I, I like about it is, as I'm you know taking notes here, is, you, people cringe when they hear the word struggle. And a lot of times people don't like saying that word because a lot, a lot, of, time, a lot of times reality is people don't, don't want to help people that are in trouble. They want to figure in business, you know, they want to figure out how they can, you know, uh, piggyback off their success, if you will. The part that I liked about what you did is you said, yeah, it's been a struggle. You know, we're trying to figure out how to make five bucks out of two bucks and how we're trying to figure out how to get one and a half employees out of half an employee and things like that. And Those are normal. But you basically said you identified the opportunities. So, yeah, it's been a struggle, but we've identified the opportunities, and now we're going to go after those identified opportunities. That's the missing element I think a lot of people are missing in today's current uh, COVID economy, if you will. Yes.
2: Yeah, you, you can't just play one. You, you know, it's great to be a rifle shot. I went to grad school, went to undergrad and business school. And the, the, the school of thought at the time was to be the very best of what you do. in the one thing, well, if we were just one thing, if we were just in the oil field right now, we would drive up and wither wither right. And we've got to be more of a shotgun approach. For a company our size, we've got to be diversified, and count on some different industries and different markets to be able to be sustainable. Keep our key uh, intelligence together, our workforce together, so that when the oil patch does return, we're able to seize those opportunities and be ready when the when the gate opens. And that's really what we're trying to do: keep our core competency, uh, core competencies in house, and keep our people together the
1: best we can. Kind of wrapping up here, final thoughts, Uh, Craig Ray is our guest, uh, Keystone Oil Fabrication, as well as several other companies as well. Uh, Just kind of, I like to give people last word, that way the question is not framed by me. And, you know, if there's something we missed, something we want to reiterate, you know, obviously make sure you uh, plug your business, that sort of thing. appreciate you coming on to give us an update what's going on down there. Now, you're out of Texas, right? You mentioned out of Texas?
2: We're in Rome, Texas, which is about 20 miles north of Fort Worth.
1: Okay, and you, you pretty much operate the five-state area you mentioned?
2: Well, we've got equipment in all the basins and all the oilfield basins. Oh. Uh, our structural steel uh, would be covering here in Texas primarily. Our mobile maintenance would cover uh, all of Texas, and our crane services would go about a five-state. We'd get into Oklahoma, Louisiana, even in New Mexico if need be. Sure. Uh, and then our waste concept that'll
1: go all over, that'll go nationwide. Okay, that'll that'll just um, go from play to play. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, uh, final thoughts. Then you know, I mean, what what, what do you think of the, the the outlook? I guess as far as uh, industry and how you guys are going to tackle the next half.
2: Well, that's a that's a great question, and uh, I'd say that my dad was an independent geologist for sixty years, and he saw plenty of good years and plenty of bad. And as a kid growing up in that household, uh, I never went without. We never went without. And the patch always comes back. I've seen it over and over again. And the good news is, I believe, it will return again. And we're going to capture our piece of that market when it does come back. We're going to be ready for it. And it's uh, it's counting on the great people. We've got an A-plus team, and we've been over backwards to be able to keep that team together. And I've got a partner in the business, Larry Christ. Larry Chris and I, we couldn't do anything what we do without our team. And we're so grateful for their uh, willingness to apply their talents and skills and resources to what we call Keystone. So, We're going to keep investing in our people, believing in our people,
1: and uh, when things do come back, It'll be our people that get us get us there. And that was Craig Ray with Keystone Synergies and Keystone Oil Fabrication. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit the CrudeLife.com. That's the crudelife.com. Coming up next, Barb Kirkmeyer, Weld County Commissioner, with an update from Colorado and how some of the regulations gone wild are impacting other states. Barb Kirkmeyer, Weld County Commissioner, coming up next on the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review.
2: The Crude Life is sponsored in part by
1: Titan Solutions. Is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills ninety nine point nine 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 percent of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including. SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID 19. Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe down, electro spraying, commercial, industrial, medical, lodging decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970 539 8066. That's 970 539 8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's 970-539-8066. 970-539-8066.
0: I was in Tioga yesterday. I saw a new billion dollar gas plant commissioned. So the Tioga gas plant is up and running. Here we go. I think it's huge. Governor Downripple says it best that value-added agriculture is a big part of the North Dakota's past and it's a big part of today and it'll be a big part of tomorrow. Few straight, if you oil, the petrochemical industry itself is forecast to uh, add about $30 billion of capacity expansion here in the U.S. to get access to that natural gas and convert it into plastics. So it's a big deal here. It's not the
3: life you say.
1: This whole natural gas shell play has changed the country's view of natural gas as a sustainable, uh, reliable energy source and really changed the entire dynamic of uh, the United States. Well, natural gas is really the, the game changer in terms of its impact on the electric industry.
0: Just in this past year, uh, we financed over $500 million uh, into North Dakota projects, uh, about 60% of that uh, into the 19 oil and gas producing counties. What's happening with natural gas is exciting, and I think it's a wonderful opportunity for growth. cost of the gas out just right out of our line that feeds our shop equates to about 70 cents a gallon equivalent so that's really you know as a small company you know trying to grow that's how we're funding the vehicle conversions the the fueling station etc we're fueling that with our funding that with our fuel savings tremendous results from companies like Swift Trucking and Central Freight Lines, major companies like Frito-Lay and Dark Transportation, who have made major commitments to convert a large number of vehicles, who are buying the engines currently available in a 12-liter engine, and uh, we're seeing the trucking industry really take hold of this, and it's uh, saving them money. Producing over a billion cubic feet of natural gas a day, and it is the richest natural gas on the planet. It contains more ethane and propane than than any other gas uh, that people are processing. So we've reached that critical mass now.
1: Important, if not more important, is the fact that we now have an abundant, lower-cost natural gas supply, thanks to horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing, which has produced a gas resource that um, we wouldn't have imagined uh, a generation ago. We're hearing about BNSF saying they want to do a, a major conversion plant to convert their train engines to, to liquefied natural gas in North Dakota. It's not only about jobs, growing the economy and good for the environment, right, capturing that gas. It's a national security issue for us, but also working with our allies in Europe to counteract what Putin's doing. So this shows the global reach of North Dakota. Back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we have Barb Kirkmeyer, Weld County Commissioner from Colorado.
3: <laughs> well, I'm running for State Senate. It's in District 23 in Colorado. Uh, the majority of the district lies within Weld County. As you already stated, it's um, Weld County where 90% of the oil and oil production is, and, well, it used to be, and 35% of the gas production. So I'm basically um, running on the fact that We need to repeal parts of Senate Bill 181, especially those parts that were, you know, job killing type regulations that uh, they passed last year. So running to support and defend oil and gas, support our oil and gas families and, you know, the state of Colorado, the General Assembly, the governor need to stop treating our oil and gas workers like they're the enemy of the state.
1: Weird how that happened. We were talking briefly before we started the interview about my former life when I was doing a, a a magazine, a home magazine down in Greeley, and Greeley to me was more of a ag town, agriculture town. Of course, you've got the sheep and the and the cattle there. Uh, big industries in agriculture, long as as well as crops there. Uh, energy industry, I was aware of it, but it wasn't political. And about five years ago. Uh, I'd stay in Fort Collins a lot of time because if I had to run up to Denver, if I had to run to Greeley, it was just a nice, easy spot to stay. And about five years ago, I started noticing that when I mentioned I was in oil and gas or other people mentioned they were in oil and gas, and a lot of the breakfast bars in the hotels, they would look over their shoulder. And it increasingly got a little bit uh, polarized, I guess. Um, your uh, history of... Being in Colorado, you mentioned you've lived in the state your whole life and in Weld County for the last several decades. Talk to me a little bit about the evolution of what's going on with oil and gas's image out there. I kind of gave you my context a little bit. Um, I'd like—I'd be very curious to know yours.
3: Well, sure. So I actually was a county commissioner back in the nineteen nineties. So from nineteen ninety-three through two thousand, and back then the um, there was a conflict between oil and gas and agriculture Uh, because wealth county not only were the number one energy county in the state we're also the number one agricultural producing county in the state as well you know two and a half million acres um, of farmland a million acres that is irrigated at least you know kind of thing so there was complex between agriculture and oil and gas and we were able to go through and get that worked out through the rulemaking process Um, having a very um, strict concern with regard to protecting private property rights because i think as we all know there are private property rights on the surface well there are also private property rights on the subsurface and the issue that we have going on in the state of colorado and in inwell county is the severed mineral rights so some there will be a property owner for the surface who owns the surface may not be the same property owner for the subsurface mineral right and that's caused some conflicts but we were able to work through those conflicts get it to work out so that. People, you know, both industries respected each other. Both were able to access their properties and do what they needed to do to, you know, to get to their um, to their property and, and to their rights, um, whether it be agriculture or, or you know, mineral rights. Um, since that time, it's kind of, it just kept evolving. And part of the problem is, is because Wealth County is, has been one of the number one growth counties in the nation um, for population growth. And so what happens is, is our prime irrigated land is right on top of our prime oil and gas you know deposits and is also where people like to tr- to build homes and so when those homes and that population started moving in it start you know people just just like they don't necessarily understand agriculture they also don't understand oil and gas but i would say in wealth county people are very supportive of oil and gas they understand they're in agriculture county so they're very supportive of it but you start getting people who move in Um, from other states and it starts causing some issues and I think the you know in 2018 we had an election on it was called proposition 112 which was all about requiring a um, 2500 foot setback for oil and gas from any home essentially which would have killed the industry and we were demonstrating that you know that that ballot lost I mean it went down big You know, people voting no in the state. But at the same time, um, Jared Polis was elected governor. So you had an electorate that voted very conservative on the issues and then voted very liberal to the point of almost socialist on, you know, some of the statewide candidates. And um, we ended up, I mean, really just six months later because the House of Representatives, Colorado House is Democrat, the uh, Senate is Democrat, and the governor's house, the governor is Democrat. We ended up with Senate Bill 181, and it just flipped everything totally within, literally within six months. It just flipped it all to where now um, they basically have really injured and damaged the oil and gas industry in the state. And, you know, it doesn't have to be based on science. Um, It's just all about politics, which is really hard to understand. I don't understand why it's so political, but it is. It has to do with, you know, they keep saying the air quality, which their facts are just not there but it doesn't matter I mean you know don't let the facts get in don't let facts get in your way kind of thing right so
1: that, uh, that was the part that I was just it's, I've been baffled about is the po- uh politicization polit- political political yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, at, at the end of the day I apologize uh, but uh, <laughs> you you know what I'm saying the it's yeah. pol- polarization but it's the politicalization it's as well. Yeah, Yes. It's, it's a combination, and that's what I mean when I started noticing people were looking over their shoulders, and I was too, and really, it, the the lack of awareness and disconnect, the only thing that I can compare it to is when the average person started looking at the supermarket as the place where they get their food instead of the farmer, and that's the only thing I can really kind of compare it to is that it's the average person just looks at the light switch and thinks, oh, that's where energy comes from. And so they don't look at the oil and gas worker anymore. They don't look at the farmer anymore, and it's a different disconnect to to have, you know. And it's um, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of bothersome to me, I guess.
3: Um, absolutely, it is, and um, and and even, but I would say in Weld County uh, people are very supportive of oil and gas. Um, they understand, they understand the tax revenues, but more than that, they understand the number of people who make a living working not only just in the oil and gas industry, but you know, the subsidiary, um, industries and and businesses that rely on the oil and gas as well in the County. And, you know, it's not just for the, for Weld County. It really does make a difference in the state of Colorado, but I think in Weld County people get that. It's just, um, in neighboring places, you know, neighboring counties where maybe they've moved in from California, which we've had a huge, you know, in-migration of uh, folks from California. And that
1: was Barb Kirkmeyer, Weld County Commissioner. To check out a full-length interview or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit crudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank you folks for tuning in and joining us this week. Like to thank you, folks, for tuning into this radio station and listening to the Crude Life Week in Review. We'll be back this next week at this very station at this very time. Well, actually, probably about forty-five to fifty minutes earlier than it is right now. But we'll be back next week at this radio station, folks. We appreciate you tuning in and listening. And while you're at it give your local radio station a call. Right now, they can assist you in so many ways, whether it's getting some public information out there, whether it's doing some local radio advertising, which works very well at a time when people are just absorbing content, working from home, doing multitasking, folks, multitasking. So go ahead, give your local radio reps a phone call and see What's going on in their world? You'd be surprised in the ways that your local radio station can help you. My name is Jason Speece. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank Mr. Craig Ray for coming on today's program and sharing some of his information, success, pitfalls, all kinds of information from Keystone Synergies and Keystone Oil Fabrication. Mr. Craig Ray, thank you very much. Also, the man, the myth, the legend, the author, the blogger, and the writer, Terry Edom, the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, Writer for the BOE Report and blogger for Public Energy Number 1. Appreciate your time. And Barb Kirkmeyer, Weld County Commissioner out of Colorado. Thank you very much for joining us as well. That's going to do it this week, folks. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spees asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life.